Well, in this series, The Year of Yes, we've been focusing during this Advent season on uh, different people in Scripture and their yes moments with God. And two in particular stood out to me. One message a couple of weeks ago brought by Pastor Jeff, and then more recently a message brought by Pastor Ben. Remember that? Jeff focused on Mary's yes moment. It's appropriate story for Advent. And then Ben focused on the yes or a yes moment in the life of Joseph. And they were both wonderful stories. Good to be reminded of them, at least annually. But did you notice that though both of their yeses were noble and right, Mary's yes, what were her words exactly as recorded in Scripture? Let it be to me as uh, the Lord has said, or let it be to me as the Lord wills it. It's a paraphrase. Joseph's yes moment. In fact, he had so many of them that are recorded in Scripture, even though Ben reminded us that he probably died relatively early and didn't get to see uh, the result so much of his obedience. But he said, yes, I'll take her as my wife. Yes, I will care for the child. Yes, I will believe that what the angel told me is actually the way things are and move forward honorably. Did you notice, though, that though both of their yeses were noble and right, neither of their yeses made their lives easier? In fact, their yeses complicated their lives. Did you notice that? They both learned that saying yes to God can lead to great things, and it does lead to great things as God defines greatness. The gateway to greatness as God defines it is a yes moment with God, a yes or no moment that we actually say yes to. Yes, that baby will have a home while he's here getting medical care, and there are thousands of moments like that in all of our collective lives. And both Mary and Joseph learned that saying yes to God can lead to great things. But they also experienced what I call the swarthy side of yes. They also experienced the, the relative underbelly, though it's a noble one, of yes. They experienced what we're calling this morning the other side of yes. We've been reminding you weekly that our lives are full of yes and no moments, and we've been trying to make that point as a preaching team by reintroducing us to some folks who had those moments. And our lives are full of those yes and no moments. Well, of course they are, because this God we serve is a God who's constantly seeking us, constantly longing to encounter us. But though those yes and no moments bless us, those encounters can also test our mettle, and that's the point of today's message. It's going to be a bit difficult to make this point today without discouraging you. Wait a minute, are you trying to talk us out of saying yes when God calls? No, nope. but I'm just trying to be honest with you. And to remind us of some things that should be normative, some things we should expect when we choose a right choice, when we make a godly choice, when we make an honorable choice, when we make a choice that changes life and changes the world for the better, there is another side of that, yes. And there's greatness found in moving that direction, but there's also challenge found in moving that direction. The example I bring to you today is the example of the we three kings, they've been called the we three kings or the wise men. The scripture calls them magi. 
Because these magi experienced the other side of yes. Would you stand please for the reading of the gospel? I'm going to read 18 verses from Matthew chapter 2. So we'll be standing for a bit. But listen to this story because I want you to get the full force of what's going on here. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. We're going to talk a little bit more about Magi and what Magi were and some of the um, applications of that on Christmas Eve evening. So we'll come back to these Magi, but we'll leave them there for now. They came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Why was, why was all Jerusalem disturbed? Because King Herod was a snake, and ain't nothing good going to happen when he's disturbed. So when the king's disturbed, Jerusalem feels at risk. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. They're quoting the prophets. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, so he calls them back, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So you see what he's doing? He wants to find out when, he should have known, he was part Jewish. He wants to find out what the prophets said about Messiah, and then he wants to find out from the Magi the timing of this star. <coughs> Pardon me. Back to the text, verse 8. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, the Magi, go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may too may go and worship him. He had no intent worship, no intention to worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Now here's the Lord engaging them, encountering them. They returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared also to Joseph in a dream. And he said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. There's a yes and no moment for Joseph. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing. And he gave orders. Here's how bad it was. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned or calculated from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. May the Lord add his blessing to his holy word 
his fully inspired message to us. Go ahead and be seated. There is a swarthy side of yes. Yes is noble, and yes to God is right, and saying yes to God in those yes and no moments is the pathway to greatness. Great things happen there. Nothing great, truly great, happens apart from a yes to God. But there's another side of yes that we need to know about and consider normal, be ready for when we say yes to God. Here's one of them. Saying yes to God, what we find on the other side of yes, saying yes to God often leads, in fact, I'm only a little bit reluctant to say always leads, but I say often leads to the harder way, not the easier way. Saying yes to God results in an uphill climb, not a downhill stroll. It makes life more complicated, more complex, more challenging, almost, if not, every time. If not almost every time, if not every time, almost every time. It leads to the harder way. God is always seeking to encounter us, but saying yes to God may also require that we say no to some pretty powerful people who have the capacity to make our life challenging. They have the capacity to make sure, to cut and cheat us out of our bonus. They have the capacity to make us want to leave. They have the capacity to make us want to give up. They have the capacity to make us miserable if we choose to yield to it. They have all kinds of power, mostly because we give it to them, but sometimes real measurable authority to make life more complicated. And sometimes saying yes to God means standing up to folks who are powerful and awful and saying no to them. Saying yes to God leads to the more difficult path, not the easier path. That's one of the things that we find on the other side of yes. It will put you in God's graces, but it may also place you in someone's crosshairs. And that's where the Lord asks us to live. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Jesus looked for crosshairs and stepped into them. The prophets looked for crosshairs and walked into them. Every single one of the apostles, save one, died a martyr's death. Because they said yes to God and no to some pretty powerful people. And there's this bill of goods that has been sold to those who follow Jesus for centuries, especially in America, that goes something like this. Follow Jesus, and everything will become wonderful. Well, it's sort of true and sort of not true. You follow Jesus, and everything will become wonderful. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the gateway to abundant life, rich life. But I'm not the gateway to easy life. I'm just the gateway to greatness in life. I'm the gateway to answers in life. I'm the gateway to making life matter and to changing lives that are broken. But it's not an easy path. It's a path that demands that you receive my strength. Saying yes to God. The other side of yes, you realize that saying yes to God leads to the harder way, not the easier way. But it's the more noble way. You're going to have to say no to some powerful people or some powerful concepts or some powerful temptations. And stop believing the lie that Christianity is this skateboard ride down a sloping hill. It's not. 
It's for the needy and the great and those who are full of purpose. I want to follow a Savior who found his way to a cross. To say no to some pretty powerful people. How powerful and vengeful was Herod? Well, that first section of Matthew 2 gives you some idea. He's the guy, he's the king, he's a puppet king, but he's king of Israel, and he'll do anything he can to stay in power. I'm not sure that the word snake really fully describes him. Now, well, I'll go into more of that later. He's a, Herod was part Jewish, but he chose Roman power for his own position. He forsook his own people. He kept order, and the, and the Romans loved him because he kept order in Jerusalem. He did, they didn't have any trouble from a pretty troublesome people when Herod was in, in power. And he did it by employing a pretty fantastic and dark and evil group of secret police. Think of what you've seen in some films about how the Nazis kept control in Paris, for instance. And you have secret police seeking people out and, and, and betraying their own families. There was a secret police that Herod formed and kept power that way. Herod killed his own father-in-law and several of his ten wives because he perceived them to be a threat to his power. The historian Josephus tells us that of the ten children, the ten sons that we think Herod had, he had three of them murdered because he perceived them as a threat. This is their own father. He perceived them as a threat to his throne. It's reported that the emperor Augustus, having heard that Herod had killed so many of his own family members, said, apparently, it's better to be Herod's pig than to be his son. That's how evil Herod was. And in order to say yes to God, the Magi choose to say no to somebody that powerful. They did not choose to make their life easier. They chose to make their, life, their lives more complicated, more complex. That is the way it sometimes feels for us when we say yes to God in those yes-no moments, isn't it? Because at least in my experience, I'm sure it's true in your experience too. There's usually a Herod hanging around in our lives. Every time we want to say, yes, Lord, be it in my life as you dictate. There's some powerful force or powerful idea or powerful temptation or something that we can't quite let go of that wants to hold on to us. And it seems like it's going to be easier if I just say no to God and yes to something else. There's always a Herod hanging around in each of our lives. The words, yes, Lord, guarantee faithfulness, but they never have and do not now guarantee comfort and ease when it comes to the way life is lived out and experienced. It's the way to go, but it's not the easy way. It's just the right way, the good way, the abundant life way. Our lives are full of yes and no moments because our God is constantly seeking to encounter us. But though they bless us, those encounters can also test our mettle. How do you do that then? Well, one, one thing I employ is perspective. It's always good to remember what Pastor Jeff reminded us of three or four weeks ago uh, in his message. To remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle 
is against the spiritual forces of this world. That behind every Herod, Herod's not really our enemy. Behind him is this force tempting him and working to thwart every good thing that God wants to do in us and through us. And if I remember that perspective, then it gets a little bit easier for me to say yes to God. Because when I say yes to anything but God, I recognize who it is I'm actually saying yes to. That's one of the ways, at least in my experience, I find strength to say yes to the right things and no to things that should hear a no from me. But behind the yes, on the other side of yes, the swarthy underbelly side of yes, is this idea that yes to God is yes to a harder, more difficult way, even though it's a more honorable way. Leads to a harder way, not an easier way. Second observation. Saying yes to God sometimes ends up looking like you should have said no. Here's what I mean by that. You can't necessarily judge the rightness or the wrongness of a decision by all of the outcomes, whether they're direct or indirect, all of the outcomes of that decision. You say yes to God and it was the right thing to do. And then you step back and life gets lived out and you realize, my goodness, either directly or indirectly, as a result of my yes to God, which I thought was obedient, some bad stuff happened too. Notice the story as it develops. It's that terrible part of the story. When Herod realized in verse 16, now the Magi go a different direction because they go home. They don't go back and report where Jesus is. Because the, the angel of the Lord comes and warns them, and God tells them, go a different route. Don't listen to what he said. Can you hear that conversation in your mind? Whoa. We, can you hear the, the discernment discussion after the dream? Did all three of them have the same dream? Did they all, were they all awakened? What? They might have to be talking. Look, the dream I had last night said we should go a different way, says Magi number one. Magi number two says, are you crazy? Do you understand who it is that told us to come back and report to him? We'll always be looking over our shoulders for the rest of our lives if we disobey. Can you imagine that conversation? But they go a different route. That's a yes and no moment. They chose yes to God. Directly or indirectly, but certainly as a result of that choice, Jesus' life was spared. Aren't you glad that his life was spared as an infant? But also, something on the order of 20 little lives were taken. Because Herod is outraged, and he wants to make sure this child doesn't grow up and usurp his throne. And so he says, let's see, Jerusalem, and let's expand it, just in case they were using the term loosely, all the suburbs of Jerusalem, any child two year, any male child two years old or younger gets killed by a sword twice as big as they are. And I got to thinking, man, that's like little baby Elijah. That's my grandson, Oliver. He would qualify. And your grandchildren, and your nephews, and your children. And you look at that, and the Magi, I don't know if they did, I sure would have looked back and said, if we'd have just gone back to Herod, would have been only one child dead, not 20. You cannot always judge the rightness of a yes to God by all of the consequences attached to it. Now, I don't know how to take that any further 
because it still leaves me wanting a little bit. All I know is this. Sometimes we say, yes, Lord, and then we step back and we think, oh my goodness, I thought he told me to go to the mission field, and so I went, and then I, and my business fell apart, and there's no business left. It was wrong for me to go. It was not God's will, because these negative outcomes resulted. You can't do that. In the moment, do you sense a yes being called for? Does your community sense a yes being called for? Then you go for it. And you can't judge the rightness or the wrongness of it by all of the consequences attached to it. Remember, there is the Lord working through the Holy Spirit, but there is also the evil one working. And every, yes, we do, every act of faithfulness, he wants to take it and confuse it and confound it, and there's nothing new about that. On the other side of yes, is a little bit more challenge. It's the difficult road, not the easy road. And on the other side of yes, is the idea that there might be not such good things that happen as a direct result or indirect result of my faithfulness, my good choice. It's always been the case. Don't forget that it's still the case. The Magi teach us that our lives are full of yes or no moments because our God is constantly seeking to encounter us. But saying yes to God sometimes ends up looking like you should have said no. Be forewarned. You can't always judge the rightness of a decision by every single outcome of that decision. One of my favorite theologians is a Catholic priest who's now with the Lord. Many of you have read his books, more than 40 books on spirituality that Henri Nouwen wrote. He was beloved, He's, he was brilliant, he was revered by both Catholics and Protestants of just about every stream. I don't know that I've met a Christian or in a particular movement, expression of Christianity that hasn't deeply respected uh, now and he had a PhD in psychology, an earned degree. He taught at institutions like Notre Dame, Harvard, and Yale, not one or the other. He taught at all three. He traveled extensively, engaged in people of all stature in life. He was the friend of cardinals. And the author, as I said, of more than 40 books on spirituality, I would recommend every single one, even though we won't agree with everything that we read by now and, but everything now and wrote is worth reading. And he struggled all of his life to find God's yes for him. You would think somebody of that kind of accomplishment with those kinds of letters and all that experience was certain of what God's leading was, God's yes for him. But most of his life, in fact, some say all but the last 10 years of his life, he was struggling some fashion to find out what God had for him. How could he be most fulfilled and obedient to the Lord? And he finally found his place. All of that accomplishment, you know where he finally found his place and was comfortable with the yes. As the pastor of a small, humble community of severely handicapped people in Toronto, Canada. Listen to what one biographer writes. 
In August 1986, now enjoined the Daybreak community living and working with six disabled people and their assistants. I mean, consider the force of that. You have this giant of Christian faith, no matter whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, whatever version, everybody recognized the brilliance, recognized the brilliance of now. And where does he find his ultimate satisfaction, his big time hammered down yes to God? Caring for six severely handicapped people and the folks that are trying to help them. Nowen was to remain here until his death in 1996. The journey was not an easy one for Nowen. He no longer could rely on his books, his lectures, or his reputation as the foundations for self-identity. So did his yes to God to go and serve as pastor in that community make his life easier or harder? Harder. He was among people who had never read his books, for whom his lectures meant nothing, who had never heard about him. What was important for them was whether he loved them and whether or not he was coming home for dinner tonight. And that's where he found his yes. Within a year, living at daybreak began to take its toll and physical and emotional exhaustion forced now to take some time off. A process of rediscovery of vocation and identity followed, and now one grew into a new discovery of self. Who were his teachers in that new discovery? His teachers were a seventh century artist, Rembrandt, and a severely disabled man. It wasn't an easier life for Nowen, but it was a richer one because he said yes to God and no to some pretty intriguing opportunities. And at times he wondered if he had made the right decision. Why, I'm trying to give a lecture here and they don't even understand. They want to ask me a question about what's for dinner tonight. How do I serve them? But he knew what we today assert. Our lives are full of yes and no moments because our God is constantly, constantly, constantly seeking to encounter us. But though they bless us, those encounters can also test our mettle. In fact, they will test our mettle. We're going to worship a little bit more now through music. And I want to encourage you to sing. But don't just sing. During this time, reflect. Pray. What is the Herod that's competing for your yes? What is it at work or in life or in your family or wherever that's a voice that should not be listened to, that's trying to pull you to something easier, away from something great and noble? And ask God for the strength to see clearly and respond appropriately to something that makes life more difficult and something that will offer some level of confusion, even on reflection. Choose yes to God. <laughs>